Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm pleased today to have a repeat guest, one of the few repeat guests that we've had here on the show, a good friend of mine and the founder of Hands Off CEO, the author of a brand new book called The Hands Off CEO that you've got to go and get access to right now. It'll be in the show notes and somebody that has personally helped me improve my sales process and help me get more clarity into how I communicate what we do to our clients. Uh, She's also the host of the Hands Off CEO podcast, which you should check out, and just an incredible human being. So with all of that, Mandy Ellison, thank you for being back on the show with us today. Thank you so much, Marcel. That was quite the introduction. I appreciate that. Well, I do my best to to give you the confidence that you deserve to have coming onto a platform like this. Uh, So I'm glad that it resonated. So Mandy, I'm excited that you're publishing yet another book. You published a book a few years ago, and now this is your second one. And I'm really excited to share kind of what you've dove into in this book with our audience, because my understanding is that it's the result of the years that you've spent inside over 100 consulting firms, really helping them overcome the most common challenges that hold them back from being profitable, and delivering the lifestyle that they want to their founders. What was kind of the impetus for deciding to write this new book? Well, I've been asked to write this book for many years and um, I have been working on it for about six years. So um, it's it's been something that has been a bit of a labor of love. And at the same time, um, I've written it multiple times because it, like, as we've grown, as our target market has, has changed and evolved, the problem set and the kind of opportunity has changed too. So, but I wrote this book really because it's the guide that I wish I would have had in my last company. In the last company, I had a small agency that was eating me alive and it was um, actually causing me physical damage to my health. You know, this was at a time where my, my second baby was about to be born and, um, just all hell was breaking loose in my business as I was trying to, um, I was trying to be able to take some time off for maternity leave to be with my other daughter. And, and it was just, it was really a stressful time. And, and I had successfully removed myself and created a lot of freedom for myself as a manager in a previous business, but I couldn't figure out how to do this with my own company. And the, the reason why was because it's the service base. It was how do you be able to remove yourself when, um, when the reason why clients buy is because of you and your expertise that's how you start the business right and and um the cash flow profitability all of these things are are stopping you from being able to remove yourself from the day-to-day in a way where where the quality doesn't decline so that's what i was dealing with and i didn't know how to solve that problem i accidentally started a consulting company from my efforts to, to try to learn how to solve this problem and, um, you know, that was 11 years ago. It was actually 12 years ago and the rest is history. 
And so um, that leads us personally into like what it is that you do today. For those that aren't familiar, what do you do and who do you serve? Right. So our company is Hands Off CEO, and we serve consulting agencies between the, the, most of them are, are, are hitting that, that seven figure slump where they're getting to a place where um, they, they're, they're hitting up against their, either their management is inadequate, uh, they don't have any management at all. Um, everything is getting stuck in the day-to-day -day for them. And they just, they're not making enough money for how much, how hard that they're working. In some cases, they actually would be making more money working at a, working at a job. And um, they're seeing profitability decline every time that they, they scale up or they, they add more talent to their team. And um, at the same time, they just they have more, more and more on their shoulders. They're opening themselves up to more risk, less reward, and they just feel like it's kind of a dead end and they don't know what to do next. Yeah. yeah I've heard this, this phase of growth kind of be described as the golden handcuffs. Um, and I remember the moment when my co-founder and I sat down and talked about, are we going to push through this or not, where we had this discussion where it was like, right now, this is basically as big as the business can get being the Marcel Petipas show. And we were like, do we, do we want to go to the next level? Because that's going to require solving a bunch of these problems, buying back a whole bunch of my time, making these investments that we you know have to grow into. And I've described going, transitioning through that as a growth trench Right? Because like things had to kind of get worse before they got better. Um, and it's a really, really challenging place to be. So what are some of the key challenges that a consultant faces when they find themselves at that crossroads where they feel like they've, they've got a really nice set of shiny golden handcuffs that they've built around themselves? How, how do they uh, start to navigate through that? Right. So um, I'll talk about how they navigate it through. And maybe I want to just be inclusive of companies that are under seven figures. We do work with some companies that are that are in the six figures, um, especially half a million up. If they have really big out, they have they have really good case studies and they have a big vision. They're 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 scaling a multi million dollar company. You know they have they really want to go somewhere. But um, what we see happen a lot of times is stagnant growth. So oftentimes people will come to us when they've been stagnant from for about two and a half to three years, and stagnant may look like couple hundred thousand dollars of growth here. And then the next year, maybe they, they lose 300,000, um, over the, over that year. Right. Um, they, they, it drops down to that. So they, they, there, there's oftentimes this, this, there's one growth plateau. We see a lot that's, it goes between about 1.1 and $800,000 a year in gross sales. And, uh, have you seen that too? You're nodding your head. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's right, right around when, the number of direct reports for the CEO is capping out. They can't really have enough headcount to support more revenue. And that headcount is just happens to be like what they can effectively manage. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes it's higher than that if they have really high contract sizes. But um, the, so yeah, so that what, what is happening is, is it's they're maxing out on the number of people that can actually manage and, and be, have a direct reports to. And um, they may even have, a management layer in place, but they they could even be really effective. Like, as we see some CEOs that maybe they're at a $3 million level. And by the way, that, that, that is one plateau, but we also see a plateau happen around 3 million as well, where they're like, okay, we staffed up, we got these people in place, but I'm still the one doing everything. 
what what's going on, right? So it's expanded their capacity enough to to you know double triple the company, but they're still like they're still really involved in it. And um, have you seen that too, Marcel? You seem to be nodding your head. Yeah, and we, we see it basically at every level of management that needs to get installed, right? So three to four million, you've got 20, 30 people on the team, you need now a middle management layer and like a delivery management layer. So it's like every time you got to build that next level of leadership, it, there's all kinds of psychological and leadership problems that you know need to be solved. And then there's the non-trivial task of actually getting those people in those seats, making sure they're clear, having all the process that they can follow, all that stuff. So um, yeah, we see the same the same stuff. Right. And so one of the things that's happening is, is that the, the CEO is very stuck in the day to day. And a lot of times the reason for that, the core real reason for that actually is cash flow and profit. And, um, the, um, because if you, if you could go and hire another person, that's, that's a much higher quality person, then you could potentially be out of that. Right. <clears throat> but, um, but there's like this, this real problem because, this entrapment cycle that they're in is that they go and make more sales. They get more pulled into the day to day. Even if they go out and try to hire more people, they have that cash flow challenge. Like, are we going to lose more and more profit from this? And then they, they end up having to, they you have to, you have to preserve your profit. Otherwise, what are you running your business for? And then they end up, you know, making do with what they have or hiring a lower level staff. And maybe they know that they would, they would like to have. And then meanwhile, their cash flow is dropping. Um, from them not going out and making sales because the sales are still really dependent on them as well. And um, I can talk about why that is as well. And then they get to this point where they, they go and make more sales, but then that whole cycle happens all over again, where they, the more sales that they make, the more that they directly are responsible for. And, um, and they may go and say, <clears throat> all right, well, I don't have time to do selling, so I'm just going to go and hire a sales team. So the sales team, if, they're, if, if, you're, if you're lucky, they may be able to sell some of these these smaller itty bitty little projects, and those little itty bitty projects, you know, Marcel, 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 you know about how this—they're not very profitable a lot of times, right? And sometimes you, so a lot of times they're just bringing in these these projects that maybe they're paying this really really high uh, percentage of um, of commission to their sales team, and then on top of that, they're not even that profitable, and they're just eating up capacity on the team, and now you don't even have capacity for the right kind of work. So what's going on here is that. You're, it, it's like this linear growth, but it's not actually, you're actually seeing the profitability decline as the companies grow. That's, that's what we hear over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. It resonates. It's, it's something that, uh, I, the way I describe this is most agencies are suffering from indigestion, not starvation. They just happen to feel the same. Right. And it's like, you have a million dollars in revenue. You're not starving. It's just indigestion. Something's going on on the back end that's making it feel way harder and way less lucrative than it needs to be. So with all that in mind, in the book, this is the focus, right? How to go from this state to a state where there's time freedom, there's financial freedom, and there is the cash flow and profitability to scale, hiring the right kind of people for the right kind of jobs. So walk us through some of those fundamental frameworks Right. Um, and some of the keys to making that transition. Okay, great. Well, yeah. So, so the book is basically on how to be able to scale from a million to 10 million. Like this is the framework to how to do that. And it, 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 it's, it still applies if you're, if you're a little lower than that, but we, we want to get you up to a million before we can really even deal with the operations issue. Cause here's the thing is, is that any, any issue below uh, a million is a sales issue. And even at, even up to 
three, five million, this is still a sales, sales issue because the issue with the, the uh, profitability and, and uh, the cash flow is actually a sales problem. So um, most operational solutions will look at this as well. Um, this is a systems and process and people issue. And yes, it is to some extent, but the problem is, is that if you don't, if you don't have, um, if you don't have a common direction that your people and your processes are built around, then what you have is chaos. And what you have is 20 different client types and you have another 20 different kinds of, um, of different, different processes and outcomes that you're, you're delivering for those clients, you know, multiply that. And that that's, that's called chaos. You can't actually systematize that. So, um, and, and then what all, oftentimes the, the, the model is, is, well, we need to take that and um, we need to standardize this down. So you standardize this down and now you have a commodity piece of crap service that you can find cheaper overseas for a tenth of the price. And this is, this is, this is scaling as usual. And most agencies read those books and say, okay, there's some useful things that we can put in, in, into our business, but it doesn't quite work for us because of our model is different and it is different. And that's why I wrote the book. Right. That is such a, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is totally the narrative in the industry, right? It's this reductionist lens on the answer to all your problems for scaling is to just make your shit more generic, put it in a box, make it cookie cutter. Every client gets the same process, but there is legitimate erosion a lot of the time to the value proposition, to the quality of the work to, you know, your ability to really fully solve the client's problem. So let's, let, I want to dig into that. Um, sure. How do you kind of navigate that conundrum, right? Of right. having this highly specialized service and being able to create that scale without it coming at the cost of these really important factors. Right. So here's the thing is that they are right about standardizing it down so that you can scale. They're right about that, but they're missing a very key component that if you remove this from an agency um, or a consulting company, then what's going to happen is that you're going to commoditize a service. So what you need to do first is to get is to actually expand the vision, expand the outcomes and um, and then figure out how to scale. But don't try to figure out how to scale before you've actually um, you, you found something that, that is really remarkable and disruptive in the industry. So scale disruption, scale outcomes, don't scale processes. Your clients don't want processes. They're not buying processes. And if they're buying processes from you, what they're doing is they're, they, you, you have, uh, you've, you've been, you, you've made the sale from a referral probably. And the, and the referral has already done all the selling for you and they've decommoditized it by saying, Hey, we got this great result. All right. So, um, the, the, the fact is, is that in order for you to be able to scale your sales and be able to have enough, uh, enough um, profit margin built in to be able to cover the cost of sale too, by the way, you need to be delivering a really big outcome. And that, that's what turns the agency model on its head. And you move from being a service provider to a partner to a growth partner. And when you're a growth partner, then you can expand what you're doing, offering much bigger outcomes, and then you can actually standardize that down. We, we have clients that actually have seven-figure contracts that they have dialed down to a 90% process-driven, 90% process-driven. And we're talking about some of the some um, services that they are offering to some of the largest cultural organizations in the country. 
that you probably would have heard of museums and all that, 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 that these are million dollar contracts. Now, how do you do that? Well, you have to start with the outcome first. You have to look at, well, how, how are we going to be able to create, if, if we're charging them a million, how are we going to be able to charge 10 million? I mean, how are we going to be able to create at least $10 million of value for them? And um, I, I'm using an ex extreme example there, and, but this, this applies whether it's 30,000, 300,000 or 3 million. But it's, it's looking at, um, it comes down to the positioning, the positioning of your service. And you're talking, moving from service to, to a growth partner. And this is challenging, right? This is not going to be, this is not for the brand new agencies. This are not for the people who are out doing the, the mom and pop SEO for $2,000 a month. Um, this is for the, the people who are, <clears throat> have a track record of success already. Maybe not every single one of their clients are getting a, a massive results, but looking at those top 5%, the top 5% in your market and saying those, those are not even in your market, but within your client type and saying, what kind of results have we already created for them? And then what would it take to create those results again? Like, how could we create those results? Could we create better, bigger results? What would it take for us to double those results? And then, um, or triple, quadruple, how could we, how could we create such an impact? Now, who could we do that for? What is that? Who is that private profit sweet spot? And maybe it's for the same type of client, but maybe there's not enough market share there to be able to scale that. So we need to find who that profit sweet spot client is and what their actual problem is. So it's a little bit of an algebra problem to be understand what we call these power of ones, one, uh, um, one profit sweet spot client one very painful problem, so a million dollar problem, million dollar plus problems, and one outcome. And we're not talking about output or systems or processes, or we're actually talking about the actual outcome that it's going to deliver for the company. Uh, and almost no agencies actually know this. Like almost every agency that my team and I get on the phone with when we ask them, hey, um, what kind of what kind of financial outcomes come out of the work? And we're like, well, we don't really know. I mean, we're, we're we're charging, you know, $50,000 here. Sometimes some of our clients are paying a couple hundred thousand. We've got some that's like at 600. Like, so, so we know if, if, if the clients are paying that high amount, we know that they're, they're, they're generating million dollar outcomes. We know that, but it's actually looking at reverse engineering and understanding what actually is the true value. And then who could we deliver that for where there's a profit sweet spot? And then how do we build an offer around that? That's so irresistible that then you get to actually, not only do you, you, you cut your sales cycle in half or maybe even less, but being able to move, move these sales much faster, but you can reach out cold. And it's also the way to be able to deliver with, um, with integrity, with quality, and in a way that you want to deliver it. Because it's about outcome. It's not about what the client says. It's not about what they want this week. It's about the outcome that they want that you're contracted to deliver for them. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Hmm. 
this resonates so much because long before you and I met, um, well, maybe actually we had already met at this point. We've known each other for a long time. You know, we were a software company at one point. And that mm-hmm. was an example of us being so focused on having something that was a scalable, you know, that that's the whole idea with software. It's infinitely scalable that we had the blinders on it. We weren't solving the real problem and we were missing out on so much of the value that we could capture by opening the aperture. And the moment that really changed Parakeeto was a day that my co-founder Ben and I sat down and we said, knowing what we know now, if we could start over from scratch, what would be the ultimate solution to this whole problem? What would it look like? What are all the things that we would do? And let's not even think about, is it scalable? Is it profitable? Whatever. Let's just write down what the 10 out of 10, like world-class solution would look like. And when we're done that exercise, I said, I think we can sell this. And overnight, literally overnight, our average deal size more than t- it, it went up by like 3000%. We went from selling, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month software to these, you know, deals that were worth 40, 50, $60,000 a year. We had more scope to actually solve those problems with clients got better results. The business took off, like everything changed for us when we did exactly what you're describing is we zoomed out and we really opened the aperture of the problem, the value that we could create. And that actually gave us the space to, to your point, build out a process that was more substantive, but solve that problem better. And then eventually over time, make it more scalable, build more tech, all the things that come afterwards. So um, it's just a personal anecdote to say like, that is exactly a reflection of the experience that I had. Um, But hearing you talk about it in that way allowed me to put those pieces together because I I don't even know that I was conscious that that's how we got to where we got. But it's exactly what you described. Yeah. Well, and I I actually remember talking with you about this and, and your software, and this was exactly what I was thinking. And you guys are so wise to go and look and say, not make it about you, but make it about the transformation that you're bringing. And um, I, I remember when you made that transition, we, we talked about it a little bit at the time. And um, th- it's really brilliant because actually your model is is like, is like what the gold standard really becomes. And, and um, unfortunately, most SaaS companies, they are so stuck in them wanting the scalable, scalable, scalable thing that they, they may miss the forest between the trees, for the trees. And so what that looks like is that... They, they miss out on so much growth, so much cash flow and profitability upfront that they could have that most of them can't. But with, I think that you've got the Holy grail because um, your company is, is a hundred million dollar scalable type of company because you have both the, 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 the services side, which generates the, 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 um, the cash flow and profitability for the sustainability and the results and the outcome. And then the software that actually allows you to deliver it more sustainably and sta- and it standardizes it, it increases the quality like like nothing else. It's, it's it's incredible what you've done. So that's actually the next level. Like so, we we I, I introduced that in the book. It, there there's four different um, there's 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 there are four different ways to scale your service firm. It's a service product positioning matrix that's on chapter six, but. Um, there's four different ones, but the fifth one is like the advanced one is what you guys are doing. Is if you've taken a software and then you've standardized parts of it with a, with a with a um, with a software, the service to software because you because what because you have to be so good at what you do to be able to standardize that down. So I you, your your business model is a perfect example of that. Mm. But and you're totally right that it took us almost 18 months of doing what we were doing before we got to a point where it was like, okay, now let's actually write real like 
real infrastructure. We built everything on Google Sheets because we kind of knew we, we can't build something that's super rigid that can't be changed. So we under-engineered things intentionally because to your point, it took a lot of maturity and it took a lot of reps for us to get to a place where it was like, okay, now it makes sense to build this out in a more legit way because once you write that code, it's really, really slow and expensive and arduous to change it. Wow. Yeah, well, you and I need to have more of a conversation around this. I, I love this. This is a great topic. Yeah. Um. Side, side tangent. So I want to come back to, so we started with kind of the first key tenant, which was really zooming out and thinking about solving big problems with big value and anchoring kind of our offer and the promise that we make to clients to that so that we can then start scaling the business and doing it in a way that has more cash flow. So once we've you know, dialed that part of the business in, what comes next in order to build that $10 million roadmap? Right. Yeah. Great question. And maybe I'll just, I'll just sum up that last piece that we talked about the irresistible offer. Cause like having that irresistible offer. Yes. We've, we've, you, you've talked about how it increased your, your price point 3000%. This is not uncommon. We, we see, you know, 300% is kind of our base level where we're looking at the price increase. So, um, it's for where the, uh, where the, the, the not I wouldn't say the average, but where um, the most common price point, we're in, it, helping them increase at least three hundred percent. Every now and then we might find someone who's already maxed out at their 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 price point, and they're like, "Well, we just we want to be around here. Maybe it's just a fifty percent increase." But um, as a profitability expert, you know exactly what that does to the bottom line. Because if you're increasing your fees even fifty percent, I mean, and doing about the same work, that's tremendously more profit. Um, all right. So, so you have this, so you have the, this irresistible offer. We put together what we call this, this, um, this client success map, this client success map is one, it's a sales tool. It's a sales tool to be able to, to clearly communicate to your client, um, what you do and the outcome that they get, not how <laughs> your client's always going to ask how, but actually what they're really asking is what, so we communicate what, and that the outcome, that the vision, and we're communicating a much bigger vision they could possibly imagine. And now we have this, this map that we can use with our team to build what we call this service management blueprint. The service management blueprint, and that is how you be able to scale outcomes. And it's how you could be able to train your team to think like strategists, everyone on your team. So one of the biggest challenges that we see with uh, account management and project management is our, there's five exits to remove yourself. Exit five is to be able to, to remove yourself out of the CEO seat and sell the company. But a lot of our a lot of our clients, they're they're pretty happy with getting to three to four. So this first exit is getting out of account management and project management. What we find is I I've even I've I've seen companies in the in the high seven figures that are still the CEO is still quite involved in some of the account management and project management because like account management is pretty hard to let your hands go of. So how do you be able to train someone to be able to actually talk to your clients? in the way that you do. Well, they have to know what success looks like. They have to be able to, you know, so, so, so what we do with our clients is teach, is teach their teams how to, how to be able to talk like visionaries. And, and that starts with that service management blueprint that, that helps them be able to communicate to the clients, these are the outcomes. This is how we're, this is, this is what we're moving forward. And, um, and then by doing that, that's what allows the CEO to be able to step back because when the team can communicate the vision to the clients, then the CEO doesn't feel like they need to be in there doing that. The team knows how to actually deliver it because they know the vision. And that That's huge. The other byproduct of that in our experience has been it improves our product quickly. 
because oh, yes. what we started doing as a team was we started saying, okay, well, here are all the promises that we're making to clients and here are the outcomes that we're trying to make to them. Let's everybody traffic light system. Are we a red, yellow, or green on these promises that we're making? And we're very harsh critics of ourselves, And that has like been a really enlightening experience every time we've done it where, you know, we have people on our team being like, I call bullshit. Like we say we do this, but I don't really think we do a good job of it. And it really got us focused on the things that we needed to do to really back up our promises and, and dramatically improve our product. And so I, I love what you sh shared there too. And that, that the, uh, the traffic lights, so we use the same thing. So we have, that's part of our system as well. But I love that you said it's not just on client happiness because client, client happiness is, is, it's part, it's, it's, it's a goal, but it's really more of a byproduct. But, um, it, but you're actually saying on promises made because clients can be happy for a while and, and be in blind ignorance that actually the project is going completely off the rails. So I like that you have that based upon on the promises made. So um, anyway, that's exit one, being able to remove yourself from account management and project management. I say them, at, we, we say both of them because it's, they're kind of in, interconnected. Every agency, they're going to manage that a little bit differently. And um, then exit. So when, you're, when you do that, what we find is it's, it's going to take 20 hours off of your week. Not only that, but they're, they're going to do a much better job than you are. Um, they're, they're doing like much better job than you are. So, um, but, but they need training. They need the, the systems in place to make it actually work. Right. So exit two is operations management. And, um, by the way, operations manager can be overseeing all of these, all of these parts. Right. But it's being able to get out of the operations management and, and what that looks like is you're having a manager who can actually, um, run the team. Run, run the, the the project planning. Make sure that that um, the the quarterly objectives are being met, and that that especially at the size of company, there's just so many things flying at the CEO, and their job is to be able to take all of that and make sure it's getting done. Also, an assistant can form part of that role as well. But I'm just saying that that that's that's their job is to be able to free up the CEO to ge to generate growth, and also to actually um, drive excellence in the business and. Um, I know that one of the pieces that, that you guys do oftentimes is I, I actually think the, the operations manager needs to be able to be that connection between operations and finance. And that's one of the things that our team has actually worked with you guys on because like operations managers don't actually know how to do that off the bat. So um, if you have anything else you want to share on that, but. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just when we ask the question, whose job is it to bring data together from these two departments so that all the stakeholders know what's going on? it everyone's pointing at each other and that inherently is the problem so yeah thank yeah. you for the plug but <laughs> it's oh, a sure. good point um right so so the operations manager their job is to run the day-to-day -day so that the ceo can grow the business right and when you have that in place magical things can happen magical things so um one of the challenges though is that we see that ceos will will hire the person even if they're hiring a really great person that operations manager they haven't necessarily um, worked in a business like yours, even if they've worked with agencies, they haven't worked with your agency, but very few of them have actually worked in an agency environment. And maybe they, they have in, in different types of businesses, but scaling an agency is a completely different animal. So, um, that, so that's one of the things that, that we have seen. And, um, we have all the systems and processes that they can like plug in. And then by, by doing that, then you're, you're testing them by fire. And they're actually, they're proving whether they actually are up to the challenge or not. 
because if they if you're giving them everything to put into place, then it, what it does is it allows them to get up to speed in a fraction of the time, and then you'll actually see how effective they really are in a matter of uh, weeks and months instead of you know a year. So we've talked about the irresistible offer on the front end. And now we're right. working through the five exits, the first of which was project and account management, the second of which is operations management. Can we get through the last three yes. exits in the time we have remaining? Okay, what's number Absolutely, three? Absolutely, for sure. And uh, by the way, those, those first two exits, we want all of our clients to get through in, in a year. If they're already through them, then we just dial in the last couple of things to be able to, to move into the other exits. Exit three is around client strategy. So um, these are the order that it should be done in. Now, Sometimes agencies will be out of different uh, a certain percentage of that, but but client strategy and and client and account management oftentimes it, client strategy account management and um, project management are all clumped together usually, and because they're clumped together, it requires a very high level of skill to be able to do that. Not to mention your your top strategists they don't want to do the account management and the project management all the detail work. That's not what they want to be doing. They want to be improving your programs. They want to be working directly with clients. So you want to separate the strategy away from that. And that will, that will immediately free up more capacity for you and your clients will get better results from it. So the client strategy, what, one of the things that, that, that we talk about in the book is putting together an apprenticeship programs to, to be able to train up strategists. You can train up strategists internally within your company. That way you can have, you know, maybe one or two really high level strategists as you're scaling, you know, it depends on the size of the company. You maybe just have one and then they're, they're building up people underneath them. And then you actually have a talent growth system right within the company. So that's exit three. Exit four is sales. So it, it's, it's being able to delegate sales. Everybody wants that to be exit one. It's not exit one. It's exit four. <laughs> this doesn't mean that you're not going to get out of admin pieces on this. You may have a really good um, administrative assistant that, so sales admin, I would highly recommend having an assistant that can help you do those things to be able to help you be much more efficient. And, and um, because when you have an irresistible offer in place and when, and um, you've already gotten out of like, say, let's say the business development, you can, that you can get out of that at an earlier stage, then um, you can free yourself up a lot to just focus on closing sales, the highest leverage part. So you can really, you know, add multiple millions of dollars of extra growth before exiting that part. But then at that exit four, that's about dialing in the systems, generating um, and um, really being able to get a sales team to sell your irresistible offer at a very high price point. So you have the margins to be able to continue scaling. That's exit four, exit five, it's exiting out. It's, it's executive leadership. Um, we're mostly talking about the CEO here, but it could be multiple layers of executive leadership. Um, and by the way, if uh, if you want to if you want to have access to this, this whole we have a whole scalability checklist that goes over all of this, everything that we're talking about and who, what roles to delegate in what order. Um, I'm happy to share a free resource on that if, if that would be helpful, Marcel. That'll be in the show notes. We'll follow up. Make sure we get that in there. Yeah. So well, it's 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 the it's it's a whole book summary. So handsoffceo.com forward slash um, summary. And um, it'll, it'll take you right there. And on page 10 is a scalability checklist that you can print up, put on your wall. Um, all right. So we've talked about, I know we have a hard stuff here, Mandy. So we've talked about <laughs> the irresistible offer on the front that really kind of unlocks the cash flow, the profitability, as well as the price point and the scope of work to really scale the business. And then behind that, the five exits, getting out of project and account management first, 
operations management second. Uh, the third one you talked about was getting out of the strategy and then number four is sales and the fifth one executive leadership, which lines up perfectly with, you're typically going to see a C-suite get put together right as you're closing in on that $10 million mark. So that's all tracking. Um, I wish we could talk for another hour, but we can't, <laughs> but what we can do is tell everyone where to go to get a copy of your book. All right. Well, as I mentioned before, you can, you can download the book summary for free. It's, it's pretty meaty and, and awesome if based on what other people have shared from reviewing the, the book, you can go to Amazon and just look up the hands-off CEO and you can buy it on Amazon. Um, but that's where you find it. Amazing. So we're going to have uh, links in the show notes to Mandy's website, Mandy's LinkedIn, as well as the free checklist at forward slash summary and a link to the book. I encourage everyone to do and grab it. And Mandy, I can't thank you enough for being here. I can't wait. I think you sent me a copy in the mail, so I can't wait to get it and just devour it. And uh, you're amazing. And I just, I'm so glad that you were able to come back. Thank you so much, Marcel. Always such a pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.